Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Last night's debate, if that's what you want to call it, that's going to be the subject of tonight's Point of View. I'm going to dive into some analysis of the debate last night, but first, let's just get this out of the way because so many people are talking about it. Where's Joe Rogan when you want him, when you need him, right? I know many of you probably know Joe Rogan from his podcast, but I'm saying this in the context of Chris Wallace. He said himself last night, hey, if I'm invisible during this debate, debate, then it's been a successful night for Chris Wallace and for America. Well, based on social media, it's just based on the debate itself. Chris Wallace was anything but invisible. So I want to just get that out of the way first and foremost. Now, we're going to start focusing on President Trump. Now, here's the thing. If you are a President Trump supporter and you watched last night's debate, are you still voting for President Trump? Of course you are. You know that. I know that. The point is, is what's the point of a debate? If you're going to have a debate, the point of doing that, obviously, is to, to show the distinction and the differences between the two candidates. But most importantly, as a candidate, it's to find and to influence and to persuade those undecided voters. Now, I get President Trump grew up in New York. If you've ever been to New York and spent much time in Manhattan, you know that you, you, you are scrapping and fighting every moment of every day you're in New York. But guess what? He's not going to win New York. He needs to win Michigan and Wisconsin and Minnesota and Ohio. And more specifically, he needs to win over like those suburban moms some black Americans some Latinos. Right. So that's who he needs to be speaking to. When you come out as aggressive as he did last night, I don't think that bodes well. Right. I mean, just let Joe speak. Joe Biden, as we know, if you've watched some of the debates, especially with during the primaries, how many times do you remember when Joe Biden would be talking? He'd be like, oh, OK, that, that's enough. I, I, I've, I've, I'm taking him too much time. I mean, you know, he's going to trip over himself. And yet President Trump, he would Joe would speak for like 30 seconds. And it was almost like President Trump would come in and save him by interrupting him. Just let him talk. He's going to trip over his own feet and make himself. Have you portrayed Joe Biden? I mean, you've heard President Trump multiple times say, hey, Joe doesn't even know where he's at right now. But let Joe demonstrate that. And he could have if you would have let him, but you kept cutting him off. So I think you've got to look at how that played uh, to, you know, middle America, suburban moms, things of that nature. Because when, when you look at what's happening right now in our nation, right, and we've been talking about this for quite some time with the COVID situation, we've never been through this before. When you're going through a situation where there's this much uncertainty, people don't like uncertainty. At least not this much, right? Not this much uncertainty. So when there's this much uncertainty going on about your kids being in school, the economy, are you going to be able to pay your bills? You know, the myriad of issues that we've seen take place because of COVID, people are looking for a leader, for, in my opinion, for a president of the United States that's going to stand up there and demonstrate peace. A person that's going to stand up there and show some wisdom and some compassion and some empathy. I think Ronald Reagan was one of the best at this, but I, you know, when I was going through my sales and marketing days, one of the best things I ever learned was that facts tell and stories sell. And I say this because I think it would have been very effective. When you're the president of the United States, you've got stories coming at you all day long. So just to give a simple hypothetical example, as last time when they were talking about law and order in the Bay, I think it would have been extremely powerful if President Trump would have said, hey, Joe, are you going to be for law and order or not? I am. And here's why. When I was in Kenosha, Wisconsin, for example, or when I was in Minneapolis, I had a mom come up to me and she talked about how 
She was so frightened for her kids getting to school, being safe in their community. But when I stepped in and I brought in the National Guard and locked this thing down and got these rioters and looters out of Kenosha, out of Minneapolis, this mom told me that when I saw her that she now felt safe. Her kids felt safe to go to school, to be in the community. And what I want America to know is that I'm going to step up and create law and order so that you and your family can feel safe. I mean, those kind of stories are priceless and looking right in the camera, right? That's the one thing that I thought Joe Biden did an outstanding job of last night. There were a couple moments there and because president, president, look, we all love the fighter in him. Okay. That's why I brought up the New York thing. We love the fighter in him. But last night it was always Joe Biden or, or as we know, he was battling Chris Wallace's too, because it was like two on one. So I get that, but that's what I mean. We're, we're, with Joe Biden, I thought had some really nice moments last night is he would look at Trump and then he would go right to the camera. And I think, I don't remember exactly what he said, but essentially, but hey, for you at home right now, how many of you woke up uh, today, sat down at your table and lost somebody due to COVID? I mean, many people can dive into that example right there and go, yeah, that's me. That is very, very power emotionally uh, to start to move an undecided voter. And so that's just some analysis, in, in my opinion, where I like the fighting piece at times, but right now I feel like people want peace. They want compassion. They want some wisdom. And I think some stories that would have demonstrated President Trump's compassion and wisdom would have gone a long way last night to say, look, guys, I know there's a lot of uncertainty in the world right now. I know that, you know, we're losing family members and we've got elderly people that can't maybe see people. Um, young kids aren't going to school, but I want you to know because I'm the president of the United States that you can count on me bringing peace to the situation, compassion, wisdom, and empathy. I'd love to know your thought on that because I think that is going to go a long, long ways if President Trump can do that in these next couple of debates or if Joe Biden can. Like I said, Joe Biden had a couple of moments last night that I thought were very strong. The thing that hurt Joe Biden is when you start calling the president of the United States a clown, telling him to, you know, S up. I mean, S. It's just those things don't bode well, don't show a lot of leadership. I know many people talked about last night looking like it was two little kids having a food fight. And, and unfortunately for you and I as Americans, that's the antithesis of what we need right now. Right. I mean, when you are having a nation that is this torn apart, this much uncertainty happen, and we need a person that can step in and say, hey, I got this. All right. You guys settle down. I'm going to be calm. I got a plan. We're going to get this taken care of your family, your loved ones, they're going to be okay. That's the kind of communication I think many people are looking for right now. And unfortunately for us, we just did not see that um, in last night's debate. Now, we asked you earlier on Facebook page, hey, what was your takeaway? What's your thoughts on the debate? We got hundreds and hundreds of comments. In fact, here's the exact question. What's your takeaway? Um, this was earlier in the day, but hundreds and hundreds of comments here. So coming up later in the show, during our feedback segment, and we're going to share with you a bunch of your points of view and what you thought about last night's. Can I call it a debate? I mean, most people, here's what's sad. And, and, I, and I mean this sincerely because we're in such a challenging time right now as a nation is that most people are referring to last night's debate. I mentioned the food fight or entertainment rather than information. And I know for many people right now, especially if you're undecided, you want to be informed as you walk in and, and make that vote. And early voting started in many parts across the country already. That's why I believe last night's debate was, was very important, very important because of early voting. Now, there are a couple more presidential debates coming up. There's a vice presidential debate. I, I get all that. But with early voting being so soon and all this mail-in balloting and stuff, you're, you need to snatch up as many votes yesterday 
as you can. So that's why I feel like last night was such a critical, critical moment. All right, earlier today, I had a chance to sit down and visit with the North Dakota Farm Bureau President, Daryl Lees, and I just wanted to, to bring him in to talk about, you know, how ag is working within the context of some of this COVID situation, but also um, he's hearing from a lot of his members from more rural parts of our great state of North Dakota about some of the issues and challenges that they're facing as families uh, due to some of these COVID situations and our policies. So Daryl's going to take us inside some of those conversations and much, much more. It's great to have you on the show. I want to bring you on to talk a little bit about ag and COVID and how it's impacting our great uh, farmers and ranchers. So what are you hearing from your Farm Bureau members? You know, it's uh, COVID's had an impact all across the markets, obviously. Um, you know, we've, we've seen some market movement in certain areas. Uh, today, I happen to be sitting in my pickup outside of a an auction barn, a uh, cattle auction, auction and that. And you know the cattle market's still not rebounding where where it needs to be uh like some of the grain markets did not all the grain markets obvious so you know that's still causing some angst out there and head scratching by some ranchers wondering you know when is going to be the right time to market uh so when you're talking about you know the the COVID effect uh monetarily yeah it's it's really ranging right now um not a lot of consistency across commodities um, not even consistency within commodities of how the prices are moving necessarily. What are you hearing just from your general members as far as the overall you know, situation with COVID, what people are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, maybe in some of the more rural communities? You know, it's uh, actually, uh, Chris, it's quite alarming. Some of the phone calls that I've had the last uh, two, three, four, five days, uh, some of the conversations I've had, a lot of concern out there and a lot of concern for our future. And, and when I talk about our future, there's a lot of concern for our youth and, and how they're handling things. And, and it, it centers around the mental health aspect. It centers around that, you know, there's been so much fear promoted and we're, we're lacking, you know, some, I think some very common sense things. And we're forgetting to think about the consequences down the road. And I'm hearing some things out there from members, uh, especially here in the last couple of days, that is very concerning. Um, you know, what we're doing to these these kids in schools, how we're handling these, things, the fear that's being put out there by government um, on a weekly, daily basis. Um, you know, Chris, you saw the video um, in, in of the gal in Grand Forks, the, the doctor that was talking about, you know, suicides and things like that. We've, we're seeing heightened anxiety levels. We're seeing, you know, kind of a fear to go and, and, and be around people by some of these youth out there. I don't know what we're doing. The stories I'm hearing, I don't know what we are doing to our communities long term here. I know in the short term, it's not healthy. In the long term, it for sure can't be healthy. So give us some specific examples of what you're hearing from some of your members. And then what are they... I mean, are they reaching out to you, expecting you to, to make changes in, in COVID policies or, or what? Give us some examples. Then what, what do they want done to help mitigate the situation? Well, they're flat out asking, what can we do as an organization? How can we influence decisions that are being made, correct and right the wrongs? Um, you know, here's the words I'm hearing. My kids are being imprisoned for having a contact, a close contact to someone with COVID. 
they're basically being imprisoned for 14 days. And you and there's and there's no due process in this. There's no you you can't debate whether they were or not because by HIPAA laws they can't say who named you in that close contact. And we've got extreme rights violations going on here, basic human right violations going on. We've got isolations going on. And I had a conversation, and I, and I won't name who I had this conversation with, but someone very prominent in North Dakota that I've gained a lot of respect for after having this conversation. And this person said to me, Chris, isolation is used to break down mental capacity for able for the ability to control in wartime situations and in prisons when people are not able to be controlled, you isolate them. You break down their mental capacity. You break down their mental well-being so you can control them better. Wow, that was a that was a staggering statement. When you think about it, is this? It's just we are we are not meant to be in a situation where we're compromising one possible health risk or we're compromising health of other things with one health risk because the other thing we're hearing uh, chris and i think you put this out is cdc is saying that 90 percent of the positives don't have enough viral load to be a spreader to be a contamination source and so what are we doing we're we're, we're testing healthy people we're getting positive results we're having kids interrogated Chris and saying who did you sit by who did you talk to who did you and they're they're basically being threatened okay they're basically being threatened if they don't provide this information then they will pay penalties and consequences all right we I don't are gonna... know how to I don't know how to get past that Chris of you know total rights violations because in this situation, we have no rights because right. we can't appeal it even. I, I said this, appeal something when you don't know who's accusing you. That's I said last night. I thought we had a right to face our accuser and a right to appeal. And under these certain conditions, that's not the case. When you, like you said, start putting people away for 14 days, you can call it what you want. But when you're in isolation, you're in isolation. So. Daryl Lees, president of the Farm Bureau, thanks for the insight and uh, telling us what's happening out there in some more rural communities across the great state of North Dakota. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Chris, and uh, anytime. Thank you very, very much, sir. All right, stay with us. we got a lot more coming up here on Point of View. As we mentioned at the top of the show, I asked you earlier today on our Facebook page, hey, what's your takeaway from last night's debate? We had hundreds and hundreds of comments. We're going to share some of those with you when we come back. And as always, please share your point of view with us, your thoughts on the debate, plus what you heard there from the president of the Farm Bureau, Daryl Lees. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.